Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. In Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, hear now the reading of God's word. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of glory of God. Very word of God, amen. Uh, Today I want to preach on faith that leads to peace. Faith that leads to peace. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. You are truly an awesome and almighty God. You are good. And I know sometimes around this season, around this time of year, even though we celebrate your coming, sometimes it's really hard to believe that you are good or to have peace because of all that goes on around us us or that are hap- that's happening in our hearts. So Lord, I pray on this morning that you would remove me, God, so that we can hear from you and really discover in a faith that leads to peace. Let the words that come out of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, you are my redeemer. Get glory in this place, Lord Jesus. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we all said together. Amen, amen. You can take your seat. When you hear the word peace, what do you think of? What do you think of? When you hear the word peace, there's, there's so many different meanings that have come about in our society. When you hear the word peace, uh, you can think of someone saying goodbye. Chuck the Deuce, Maya, goodbye. Um, you hear the word peace and you can hear someone say, like we do sometimes in the benediction, go in peace. Anthony, that might mean have a peaceful day, have a blessed day. When you watch the pageant, sometimes you hear the women say, I want world peace. And that means I'm, I'm tired of turmoil and the, the wars and the things that are going on, uh, you, you hear the word peace and sometimes you hear people say, well, I just wish I had a little more peace in my life, meaning that they're, they just want some normal. Anybody want normal? Whatever that is anymore, right? As you can see and as we've heard that we've used peace in many different ways which made this topic honestly a little hard, especially around this time of year, because when I look around, I struggle to see a whole lot of peace, a true peace, true meat peacemaking, if you want to say. I, I mean, you turn on the news or social media, and you don't hear about peace. You hear about wars, Jay. You hear about turmoil. You hear about trauma. You hear about corruption. You hear about murder. True peacemaking or, or peace 
it's not really a hot topic. But yet at the same time, there's a piece of us that yearns to see true peace here on earth. There's a piece of us that yearns to see peace in our lives. There's a piece of us that yearns to see peace in everyone else's life, right? But see, therein lies the problem. And I, I may step on some toes. I know it's Christmas Eve here, but we got to do this, the word. I, I would venture to say that because of all of the pain and suffering that we see in our world, and you combine that with the individualism that exists in our society, we get a lack of true peacemaking. There's a lack of true peace in our personal lives. And what happens is now peace becomes about self-love. It's about finding inner peace where now peace has only become about the individual. And excuse me, but that's a very sad substitute for peace. You know why? Because that individual, although they might have the, 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 the peace that they're looking for or the facade of peace in their lives, there's a hurting and dying world that exists right outside their door. So there's no peace in that. There's no peace because there's hell or problems all around you, which means that you got to re rehearse yourself over and over again. I love myself. I love myself. I can do this. I can make it up this hill. I can achieve this. I can achieve that. And everything in my life is going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Or you may be saying, well, I just got to get these people out of my life because they give me all types of weird vibes and I just don't want them around me. And if I'm, around, if I'm, off, if I'm not around them, then, then I'm going to be okay. And the hard truth that we don't like to deal with, that we see but we, we don't like to deal with it, is that the world is not going to get better. It's not going to be okay at least not here on this earth. Things don't get better until the new heaven and new earth come when Jesus comes back. So, so there's always going to be people and problems around you that you don't like, that you don't want to be a part of, that you want to escape. Now hear me, hear me, hear me, hear me. I'm not against you finding true or inner peace, if you, if you want to say. I'm not against you loving yourself. I'm all for that. The question we got to answer is, what's our source? What's your source? And if your source is just you or if it's in ourselves, then that's not going to work because you know what? We move and we change like the wind and the waves. We, we, we don't stay the same. True peace has to come from someone who's greater than us, who's not fickle in their ways, who's stable, who does not change. And the only person that I know that's like that is Jesus. The Bible says, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace, everyone say peace. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, listen. True peace comes from God. It comes from God. Not from me. Not from you. So the slogan really, it shouldn't be self-love or love yourself. It should be love God. Because when you love God, then you'll love yourself. And then not only that, but the scripture lets us know that in him we'll find our peace. 
This is why the birth of Jesus during this season of Advent means so much because him coming brings us true peace. But before I get into that, I got to ask you this question. Where do you find your peace? I need you to be honest because some of us, especially with the pandemic, we find our peace in social media now. We just escape and we're scrolling through or, or Netflixing and chilling, you know, we just... It's, it, we're finding peace through escapes. Where do you find peace? Or better yet, let me ask this. When you hear the word peace, again, what comes to your mind? What do you think of? I got two questions or two points I want to say. Number one, I want to talk about a faith problem. Faith problem. Number two, Jesus' sacrifice gives us peace. A faith problem, and two, Jesus' sacrifice gives us peace. Now, when we get into this text today, chapter 5 begins with this ringing affirmation of an objective legal standing of the Christian, that the Christian, through faith in Christ, has been justified or declared righteous in God's sight. It, it's once and for all. It's, it, it's him dying on the cross, dying for our past, present, and our future sins. There's no other death that's going to take place. We talked about this in Galatians where now through faith in Jesus Christ and by the grace of God, we are saved. It's not by what we do. And see, the result of this, what Paul is writing here in Romans, is that Christians no longer live under the fear of judgment or under the wrath of God, but we have now peace with God, which is not, don't miss this, a merely subjective feeling but it's an objective reality. Now, I know some of y'all just got hung up there because I just told you that peace is not a feeling. It's a reality. It's a reality that the Christian lives in. But what does this mean? Does this mean that I can be like Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz and at any moment if I just click my heels together, I can dream of a different place and, and because I dreamed of a different place, I, I, I can go to that place and I can escape my reality and all the mess that's going on around. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What this means is that although my visual reality may feel like hell, may feel like problems, there's a peace that surpasses my understanding that I have in God regardless of my circumstances. So follow me. When I lose my job out of the blue, you know what? I don't lose my wits or I can still lift up Jesus, the name of Jesus, because that job didn't define me, but my relationship with Jesus does. When I have a broken relationship, it doesn't turn my world upside down because that relationship didn't define me. My relationship with Jesus does. Hear me, when I fall short. And I'll start dabbling in some activity that I know I shouldn't be a part of, something that makes me feel guilt, something that makes me feel shame. Look, I don't lose myself because even in the midst of that, listen, my activity is not my identity, but my identity rests in Jesus. So he still loves me even though I mess up. Now, I got a few amens because I know this is kind of confusing. Because this peace, hear me. It's not something where if you live right or if you do this, you'll achieve it. This is a peace that's not warranted because of your works, but it's graciously given to the believer because of someone else's work, Jesus's. And with that said, I would argue that the person is struggling 
with a peace problem or feeling like they don't have peace, it's really not a peace problem. It's a faith problem. It's a faith problem. I, I know this because when I look at this text, it begins verse 1 and it says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace. There's that word. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some of you may have missed that. It says that since we have ju been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus. So, friends, hear me. We cannot talk about peace without talking about faith. But therein lies the problem because sometimes... Our faith, as we talked about in Galatians, our faith is misplaced. We put our faith in other people. We put our faith in ourselves. And, 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 and because those places or those people are not stable, you know what happens? Our peace is unstable now. Our peace is affected because our faith is not stable. Y'all missing this thing. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. Let, let me put it this way. Some of you guys are in your Bible daily and you, you can get this. So Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is, is, is asleep in the midst of the storm. Y'all remember this? He's sleeping in the midst of the storm, and it, I mean, it's, it's like zonked out sleep. He's drool-type sleep. I mean, how else can you sleep in the middle of the storm? He's sleeping in the middle of the storm, and it says that, that the waves are crashing the, against the boat, and it's overtaking the boat, and the boat's being tossed to and fro, and, and Jesus is just, I mean, cow jumping over the moon-type uh, sleep. He's just dreaming. He's, he's gone. And the disciples, when you read the passage, the tone of the passage is that the disciples are freaking out. They're like, they're, they're, they're probably, I can picture them. Y'all picture it with me. They're, they're throwing water out of the boat. They're getting rid of all the excess weight, the stuff that they don't need because they, they know that they don't, they don't want to go down with it. So they're getting all this stuff out and they're, they're trying to figure out the sails. They're figuring out the boat and they're, they're trying to row and this and that. And, and Jesus, y'all, all the while is just chilling. And, and you read the passage, and if you, you, you contemplate and you think about it enough, you're like, well, how in the world does Jesus just sleep? How do you sleep in the midst of a storm? Disciples, Jesus, we're about to die. But yet he sleep. And he wakes up in verse 26 and 27 of chapter 8. He says this, why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. There it is. Then he rose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm, and the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Jesus was able to stay calm because his trust was in God, or, or should I say, in himself being God. So he knew, like he displays in the text, that he commands the wind. He commands the sea. But the disciples, on the other hand, now here we are. We step into the picture. They don't really have faith in Jesus. In fact, they say, well, who is this man that can command the winds and the sea and they obey him? See, what we're failing to realize, don't miss this, is that most of the disciples in the boat with Jesus, y'all, they were fishermen. So they knew, listen, they know what to do when the storm comes about. And so what do they do in the midst of this? I can picture them, oh, let's fix up the sails. You know, the wind's coming from the east, so we got to fix the sails up. Oh, let's, let's get the nets in. We got to get the nets in. Let's get the nets in. All right, yeah, yeah, we got to throw this out. We gotta, and let's, let's start rowing. We got to get to the shore. We got to get to where we're going. We, we got we to go there. So what, what do they do? They start trusting in what they know how to do. 
Jesus in the boat with them. They're trusting their abilities. Let, let's, let's get to the shore. Y'all missing this thing. They don't turn to Jesus and say, oh, we believe in you as God in the flesh, and we know that you command the winds and the waves. No, 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 no. They turn to themselves. Let's start rowing. Let's get there. When do they turn to Jesus? They turn to Jesus when it's out of their control. When, it, when, when they have no more power, when they can't do it anymore, Jesus, fix it. What shall we do? See, some of us miss this. But if we're honest, that's our issue. We don't trust Jesus until whatever that thing is, is out of our control. Jesus, I can't do it. Fix it. Fix this relationship. Fix this job. Fix this person. I, I can't do it anymore. Hear me. Many times we don't have problems with peace, but our problem is that our faith is misplaced. Commonly, our faith is, 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 is in ourselves. It's in our abilities. So we lack the peace of sleeping in a storm because we're too busy trusting ourselves, throwing the figurative water out of the boat of our lives before we come to Jesus. We, we, we act just like these disciples. Uh, let, me, let me get rid of this relationship, Jesus. I know it's not for me, but let me get rid of this relationship. Then I'll follow you. I got to do some more stuff over here first. Uh, let me get rid of this addiction over here. I know it's not right, but you know, I can do this, Jesus. Just one more time. I'll be all right. I, I promise. God, God, God let, me, let me make this amount of money. I, I just got to make this. And once I get there, I'm going to give you my whole life. I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to do all of this stuff. I promise. Let me do this. Let me do that. I can do this. Let me achieve this. Let me do this, and then I will follow you. Instead of putting our faith in Jesus at the beginning, we put it in ourselves or in something else to give us satisfaction until that thing or person fails us. And then we run to God looking for peace just like the disciples when the storm has overtaken us. Let me ask you, though, what if we just trusted Jesus on the front end? What if it didn't take our world turning upside down to trust him? What, what, if, what if we realized that although I know how to do this, I have abilities, I got skills, I have talents, with Jesus, I could do far more than I could ever imagine. What if we constantly lived from a place of understanding that my sin-stained self wouldn't be there if it hadn't been for Jesus? How much different would our lives be? How much, how much peace would we actually have? See, friends, We don't really have a peace problem. We have a faith problem. And the problem is, is that our peace hinges on our faith being in the right person. See, because when you have your faith in the right person, the storms of life, don't miss this, the storms of life can hit you, can batter and sometimes bruise you making you feel like you can't go anymore, but you're able to keep pushing through the storm because your faith is in an almighty God who, let me tell you, 
can make the storm cease. Faith is believing in God and his word and his promises. Hebrews 11.1 tells us that faith is, is this, gives us the assurance of things hoped for and the, the conviction of things that are unseen, which means that although things may be crazy around you, I'm talking to somebody, things may be crazy. To have faith is to believe in a God who's bigger and who's better than your circumstance. So you can praise him again in the good times, and you can praise him in the bad times. But wait a second. Pastor D, I, I mean, I, I, just a minute here. Because you, you just said something that, that's messing with me, Jay. There's something messing with me right now because you, you, you just said that I could praise him in the good and I could praise him in the bad times. I don't know about that, Pastor D. I like your preaching, but um, that don't sound like peace to me. I, I don't want to go through any storms in my life. There's nothing peaceful about that, Brandon. I, 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 don't, want, I don't want that. I just want the good. Well, that brings us back to what is this text really talking about when he says peace? Let's look at the text. The text says peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Key words, peace with God. I mentioned it in the beginning, but the peace with God, this peace that he's talking about involves a legal standing. It involves us being seen as righteous in God's sight, where he says, you're my son, you're my daughter, I love you, based off of what Jesus has done, because Jesus has paid our sin debt. Now, what do I mean by this? Let me break it down a little bit. If you flip backwards to Romans chapter 1, if you were to go back there, Romans chapter 1, Paul, he, he talks about us turning away from God and now worshiping the creature or the creation versus the creator. Talks about us making idols. He says, we exchange the truth of God for a lie. Essentially, we as a people have chosen to live our lives in the way we want to instead of glorifying God. We innately or internally, if you want to say, not just outwardly, we rebel against the good things of God. And then we run after what we think or feel is right. We've sinned or rebelled against God. We've missed the mark of his holiness, meaning that we are not holy without stain. We're, we're imperfect, that we have not measured up to this standard of holiness. And instead of humbly acknowledging our will to sin, some of us, according to Romans 1, we're still constantly rebelling against God. And some of you are sitting there saying, well, not me. I love God. I love with all, all my whole heart. I love God. Now, Romans 3 tells us that none of us are righteous. Right. Even me, none of us are righteous, not even one. Yeah. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None of us have met the mark of God's holiness that's set before us. And, and I know we're probably saying, well, I ain't doing nothing wrong. I love God. I love him. I, I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. Y'all, this is tough. But Romans 5, you keep on reading it. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sins, so death spread to all 
men because all had sinned. Friends, what I'm trying to get at is that there's a sin debt. There's a debt. There was a cost that had to be paid. And because of that, there's this gap, if you want to say, or chasm between us and God. God here, us here, because God is holy without sin, and we are with sin regardless of how great we think we are. We're not like him. We still have imperfections. We're not perfect. We are not holy. We have sin within our lives. And the problem with this is that not only is God sinless, but he can't stand sin. Now, I didn't say he can't stand you. I said he can't stand sin. Don't miss that. I don't like that God hates to sin, hates to love, whatever. You know, God, God he, he's looking, he still, he hates to sin. It's not you. But he can't stand this sin. And the wages of sin, according to Romans 6.23, don't miss this, is death. So in order for death not to be our outcome, there had to be a payment. For the sin wages. And the payment is not one that can be made by how much money we put on the debt or how much work. It was a payment that had to be made by blood. But not just any blood. This was a blood that had to be untainted. This was a blood that had to be without blemish. This is a blood that had to be without sin. So what does God do? Even though he can't stand sin, even though he has no sin, he still loves his creation and he sends Jesus, the unblemished lamb, to take away the sins of the world. So Jesus comes, some of y'all getting this, and he lives the life that we should have lived without sin and he dies the death that we should have died on a cross. He defeats sin and death once and for all and makes the pathway back to God open for us to have a right relationship with God through his death. Not anything that we have done, but what he did on our behalf. And when you believe now in the sacrifice of Jesus, what he did on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection, now there's reconciliation between you and God. There is peace. There it is between man and God. There's no peace between men and God unless someone dies. We would not be able to live, period, without Jesus' death. He had to die. Not just anybody, but a holy, unblemished. He died. And some of us are missing this. I got like 10 amens in here. All of y'all should be amen, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this one, you know? Someone had to die. But I think we miss the significance of this sometimes. So let me, let me try to make it plain. In 1937, this is a true story. Uh, Mississippi, there's a rail bridge operator. Some of you may have read this. John Griffith, he took his eight-year-old son, Greg, at the time to work with him. Greg had all these questions about, how, do, how does the bridge operate, Daddy? How, how does it operate? So he takes his son to work with him, Jay, and, he, and he's, he's showing him how this works. And he tells him that, you know, the bridge that I operated, it stands right over the great Mississippi River. And so when a ship comes through, he would, he would pull the lever and he opens up the bridge so the ship can pass through. And he would let it back down so, so the train can pass through if it needed to come over the bridge. And so... On this one day, John, John's there with his son Greg, and Greg is asking all types of questions just as an eight-year-old boy would, just like my son DJ couldn't sit still right here while I was preaching. You know, he's just asking all of these questions, and 
But on this day, John, after he's answered all the questions, just doing his job, he, he turns around and he, he starts, can't find his son. So he starts looking for his son, looking around the office, flipping over tables and looking in closets. He can't find his son. And then he looks outside. Mind you, the bridge is up because he just, he's letting a, a, a ship pass. And to his horror, when he looks out the window, he sees his son climbing on the gears of the bridge, the same gears that let the bridge go up and down. And so he starts to run out the office to save his son. But just then when he runs out the office, he hears the sounds, screeching sounds of the Memphis Express train coming, carrying some 400 people. Now John is left with a dilemma. What do I do? John has to make a decision. Do I go out and save my son? Or do I let this bridge down? If I let the bridge down, my son is crushed in the gears. But if I don't let the bridge down, all 400 of these people are going to die. Greg, Greg, he's hollering at him. He can't hear him because of the train. And so he goes back inside with this horrible choice. Now let me pause. As a parent, or even just as a person, what would you do in this situation? What do you do? Do you save your son, causing all 400 of these people to die? Or do you let the bridge down, sacrificing your son in order for all of these people to live? John pulls the lever, lets the bridge down, sacrifices his son. It's said that as the train passed by, John could look up and people waving, people smiling, playing games, reading books, not a care in the world. John weeping. And it said that he yells out, don't you understand that my son just died for you? And friends, the truth of the matter is, is that many of us were just like the passengers on that train. We missed the sacrifice that has been given on our behalf. We missed the goodness in Jesus. And we just keep on rolling through life, not thinking, not caring. And you know what happens? Because we miss the peace in Jesus. Keep going. You know what we keep doing? We keep looking in this place, this person, this thing, trying to find the peace that our heart longs for. All the while, 
Jesus has already died. God's saying, don't you realize what my son has already done for you? You find peace in his sacrifice. You have life because he's died. He has died and risen from the grave on your behalf. And if you believe in him, you have peace with God. Now, I know, I know someone's saying, but Pastor D, I, I don't see the peace there. I still have problems in my life. I still have trials. I still have trauma that's coming my way. Still, storms are still hitting me. Hear me, hear me. Listen to me. God, when you have peace with God, that does not mean that you won't have problems that occur in your life. Trials will still hit you. Trauma will still come your way. You will have trouble. Things will come up. But peace with God means that if you believe, you will not suffer the consequences of your sin. You have something to look forward to. You won't suffer because Jesus already suffered for you. Friends, that's good news. That's a peace that surpasses all understanding. This means that although problems may hit you and they may occur, your job may not go the way you want it to. That relationship with that friend or, or significant other may fail. But as a believer, you have a peace that surpasses all understanding. That means your now may look like a mess, but you got something to look forward to in the future that gives you hope today. This is why Advent is so special. Such a sweet time of remembrance and slowing down. Not just buying new things or finding peace in this thing, but slowing down. Because when we take the time and sit and remember that Christ came down for you and I, and he took on the wrath of God, gives you peace. So hear me, family. Your year may have felt like a mess, but instead of looking back on that, remember what Christ did for you. This past week may have been a mess, internally or even outwardly. Remember what Christ did for you. There may be a storm that you see on the horizon coming. Remember what Christ did for you. And in remembering him, and what he did, as I said in the beginning, you can praise him in the good and in the bad. Don't get caught riding by on the train of life and miss the goodness in Jesus. Stop depending on yourself and your strengths for peace. It's just going to leave you turning over every storm, stone. Everything in your life trying to figure out, where do I get this next? Because the satisfaction never lasts. It only lasts in Jesus. So remember, to believe means you have true peace in Jesus' sacrifice. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, God, for peace with you. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you, God, for sending your son. Such a sobering reality. I think sometimes we just, we get to Christmas and we just, we're so anxious for rest or we're so anxious for the gifts under the tree or the good food or this and that, that we really miss that you stepped out of heaven and came to a world 
that was not like you. You sympathized with our sufferings. You went through the things that we went through, the temptations. But yet you had no sin. And you went to a cross to take on our sin. God, sometimes that, that peace is so far out because we get so enamored and looking around at everything that's going on in our lives, God. But I do pray today that as we leave here on this morning, that we would fix our eyes on you, Jesus, on a peace that surpasses all understanding, that gives us hope for today. That as we face reality and we face the problems in our family with friends, God, jobs, things happening internally or externally, Father, will we look to you for our peace? that sometimes makes no sense. But God, I pray that we'd be like you, Jesus, in the boat, being able to sleep because we know that you command the winds and the waves of life. So Father, I don't know what is in here and it's probably all of us in some way, shape, or form. Lord, we just need to say, here I am. I don't have all power. I don't control everything, but you do. And I'm tired of trying to do it all by myself. Father, I need you now. Cover and keep me. Let me experience not only the reason for the seasons, but the fulfillment and the satisfaction that I get in you, Jesus a peace that surpasses all understanding where I won't look anywhere else but to you, knowing that you'll take me places I can never imagine. Even if it's not on this side of heaven, God, I'll be with you one day. But until then, Lord, let me dwell on the hope set before me to get through today. But not only get through, but experience the joy that you have for me today in Jesus. We're tired, Lord Jesus. But yet, just like Jesus, we can sleep because you're never not working. So do the work that we can't, Lord Jesus. And we thank you for coming into our world to love us in a way that only you could and die the way that we should have died. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we all said. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.